Let's go. We're back with Garage Talk, and I am Conrad, and my partner over here. I'm Ted. We're going to rock and roll with a special guest today. Let's go. Let's go. Today we have Chris Kaufman, Assistant Commissioner for the IHSA. How are we doing, Chris? Hey, we're doing fine. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to, to talk to you guys. Hey, we are so excited. We, we've been talking about this for the past couple of days to have you on. We wanted to, Terrific. we wanted to chit chat about officials. Okay. Absolutely. Um, we license, um, we license a great number of officials here. I can tell you that, uh, we have, um, we have nearly 8,000 licensed officials in Indiana that, that take our test and, um, for all the sports combined, um, obviously we have some that just just do one sport and some that do multiple sports. But ultimately, we have a fraction of that that actually work our tournament, and um, that is where in the news you've heard here recently of official shortages. And yes, yes, our numbers are down. Um, they're not drastic, but they are down, and part of that's because we have more retiring than we have. Uh, coming in who want to work our tournaments. So um, that being said, it, it creates a little bit of a tough situation, and I think where you really see it is when you have a cancellation of a game and then a rescheduling of a game, trying to find officials on a rescheduled game becomes the most difficult thing to do, for sure. How many cancellations uh, this year has there been with the, with the 21-22 school year? Yeah, it, well, it, it, they're weather-related. Okay, um, okay. And as you guys can probably attest to, it's been a fairly wet spring so far. Yes, it has. So, therefore, when when you have baseball games rescheduled and then you finally get a day that you can play, the problem is, is that everybody else wants to play that same day. And that's when you really feel uh, the crunch of trying to find officials, especially at sub-varsity games. So... Your JV and freshman type games uh, become even more difficult to find officials for because they're all getting used to just complete varsity games on those days, let alone JV and freshman games. And so it creates a little bit of an issue. We we have many programs out there that are recruitment type programs that are designed to, to go out and find younger kids. Um, we have a new uh, a new class that has been approved by the Department of Education called Officiating 101, where kids can actually uh, take the class for credit, and they would also get their license, and we wouldn't charge them for their license um, for the first year. They would join an association and learn how to officiate, and the idea is that we bring more kids back into this at a younger age and get them going, and um, so that down the road, we're stocked with plenty of officials who want to, to, to do that as a, uh, as a hobby. And um, I can tell you that Indiana's done a great job with training officials because we have so many officials that have gone on to do college, professional uh, from this state, and um, the really good ones seem to go that route really quick right off the bat. They, they find them quickly. I, I can share a story with you from about four or five years ago. Please do. That I was... I was sitting in my office, and um, uh, the the Monday after our football championships, I got a call from a, a friend of mine who used to be the director of uh, officials for the NCAA. And 
he called me because he knew me, and he said, Chris, who is your white hat working the, the uh, 5A state championship game? And I gave him his name, and I said, can I guess that you're going to follow up with him? He said, yes, I, I watched that entire game, and um, he was fantastic, and we're going to, uh, we're going to see if we can't get him to, to do some college. So th- they're watching. They're recruiting officials from us, and um, our good ones, get taken quickly that's amazing that's amazing well can i ask what's the criteria for that what what schools are taking advantage of that program right now it's a brand new program so there i don't know what schools exactly are Um, in our office sandra walter is in charge of our official so one of the tasks there are five assistant commissioners here at the ihsaa Sandra being one of those, and one of her duties is that she oversees officiating. And so she works with all of our assigners, all of our um, officials associations that are throughout the state, and um, she works with them on recruitment of officials, and they're helping out in this too. Because the officials are so excited to go out and, and find somebody who wants to do it, they're willing to work with them. And that's the best part of this whole thing. And uh, they do a tremendous job of, of training officials. We just got to get people that want to do it. And, um, you know, there's various ways they can, if you're interested in becoming an official, you can. But the easiest one is just contact our office. Uh, Darren Stilson in our office is, is an assistant for Sandra, and Darren uh, does some of the day-to-day management of it. But he'll get you uh, hooked up and in the right place, and there's many, many ways you can do it. I don't know what schools are offering the class right now. I Mm -hmm. also know that it's being offered in college also. Oh, Uh, wow. And so between collegiate and high school, um, we're really making a big push to get new officials. Well, and that's true. You know, Conrad and I both, we're really directly involved with the the youth leagues down here in Gas City, which we're neighbors to Marion, so we're used to – you know, the Marion Giants, the state basketball champions and all this stuff, even though we're at Mississippi, we don't have one of them yet. But, you know, I tell all these kids that are juniors or seniors in high school that, hey, you know, look into becoming an official when you graduate. I mean, it's it's a little extra income. Or if you're going to right. if you're going to college, you know, there's a little there's some gas money, some food money. And, you know, because I've been an official myself. You know, I used to do football and basketball. Now I just basically do basketball with with the youth around here because I got some bad knees, so I can't get up and down like I used to. But we sure. we really try to impress on these younger kids that hey, this is something you can do. But as you know, you know, there's a lot of negativity going on with the abuse that a lot of people are taking. Yeah, that's true, and you know that one comes up quite often, and and um, you know. I, I was a registered official before coming to work in this office when I was uh, in college. I did a lot of, uh, I, I took the test because, well, first of all, I was a, ended up being a, a high school coach in two sports, I coached football and baseball. And so I always thought it was good to have your license if you were a coach just because, you know, it kept you apprised of the rules and what was yes. going on. But um, also, you know, it also allowed me to do youth games and, and I could, I did some other things. So, I think it's a good way to do it. It's a great hobby. If you care about high school sports, it's a great thing to get into. As far as the abuse goes, there's no question that, that there are certain, um, we'll call them fans, 
you know, I'm not going to say it's parents because it's, it's all types. Right. Yeah. There, there, there are certainly fans that, that make it a little more challenging. The good officials don't really have as big of issue with it. Uh, they take care of the problem. They know how to handle the problem. Um, but, but I can, I can tell you this in my, uh, observations over the years, there's a reason why we have so many, uh, police officers and law enforcement personnel who are official. Yes. I believe it's because they're used to dealing with people on a daily basis. And, um, if you think about that, it makes a lot of sense that they're an official, they're making a decision and they're used to dealing with people. Um, that's what they do every day in their job. And. So it makes some sense to me why we have so many uh, law enforcement people who officiate. It, it, it's, it's not a uh, it's not an accident, I don't believe. So, but I can tell you that the, the professional ones they may know how to handle the, the criticism, and then also it, it becomes a teaching moment too, if you can get to it, where you can say, "Look, I, you know," and I can assure people, people, you, you've been following games forever. The officials don't really care who wins or loses. Exactly. Exactly. Um, when you, you know, when I first came to work here, and I, I coached at a highly competitive school here in Indianapolis, I was I was at Cathedral High School for uh-huh. 16 years. We played a lot of football games. We played a lot of baseball games. Um, we were fairly competitive, and I can tell you that when you don't have a dog in the fight, after I got to this office and I went to games and I watched officials and and, and just to see how they did. When you don't have a rooting interest in the game, it's amazing how much better our officials get. Oh, I agree. Um, yes. You watch the calls, and, and you, you come at it with a lens that is unbiased, and they look pretty good. But when you have a biased lens, it, that's when you start getting yourself in trouble. And if people would just take a step back and look at the situation and what was called, it doesn't mean they're going to make every right call either. There isn't one official I know that says, we, I, I don't ever mess up. Correct. They mess up just like everybody else. Uh-huh. We're all human. But that's exactly right. But I can assure you of a few things. Number one, they're doing it because they love to be there. Two, they love um, giving back to the sport and the kids. And um, I think if you keep that in the back of your mind, it's going to be pretty hard to, to jump all you know over an official on a call. It is. That that's true. Yeah. And that that's right. Keep winning and moving out of it. Yes, you do, and that's. That's where I think a lot of the the players and the parents don't get that because you know down here you know we try to instill in our kids that hey the the umpire the referee whatever you have he's not going to make the right call every time he's going to miss stuff just like you know you didn't make the perfect throw you didn't make the perfect pass you, you know, know Ted I, I and, and Chris I've been guilty I've been guilty of it uh, of being a heckler and I. I, I've kind of matured in my old age now and and, <laughs> and realized as hard as, as the fans are on, on these officials, nobody that, that is so that's out there in the stands being critical wants to do it. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And, and, and I, I appreciate you saying that because I think we're all there. I think we've all been critical. Um, at different times, and then I do think maturity has something to do with it, and um, I think you grow from that and you learn. Um, but I can tell you that they—they they don't—they're not out there trying to make the wrong call. They are absolutely out there, and I even find it more amazing in our officials when I go back through and watch tape on games. How many calls they get right that 
are calls that get reviewed every day in every other league over and over and over again. <laughs> and they got it right the first time, and we didn't need video. Exactly. So <laughs> it's, if you keep it in that perspective, it's like, wow, they're really pretty good because they didn't have the benefit of, you know, well, it can get reviewed and overturned. they got to make it right, and um, and they do a pretty doggone good job of that. Yeah. And, you know, I I learned from a, a coach that was our head coach years ago that I thought was really, you know, he, he, he wasn't a complainer, and he said, I don't want anybody yelling at the official. He said, if I have anything to say, it's going to be me that says it. But the the whole point, he looked at everything as just adversity. We're, we're not we're not going to make great plays. They're not going to make great calls sometimes. We have to look at it as adversity, and we need to take that aspect out of it and I'll tell you, it just changed the whole landscape of the game coaching for me because we started worrying about us and not what call was made. And if uh-huh. it was the wrong one, it was the wrong one. We had to worry about the next play. And I just felt that it, it made our kids more positive. They didn't look at it that way. They didn't waste energy on it. And um, we played we played better. And it was a learning moment for me. And, you know, I think everybody learns at some point. A light bulb goes off and you go, yeah, you know, that, I wasted so much energy on worrying about calls when I used to worry about how we played. Absolutely. And, um, I try and I try and remind my uh, daughters, uh, don't depend on officials uh, for a game that you're playing. They're calling the game. You're playing the game. Right. You know, it's up to you. You're, to box out or get that rebound. It's not up to them. And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're pushing and you get caught doing it, well, they're going to blow that whistle. And, and you, you know, you don't ever want, when you're playing a game, you don't want it to have to come down to an official call. Whose fault is that? It's not the official's fault. It came down to an official's call. It's, It's the way you play during the game. So, um, if you can take that part of it out, just like you said, I think it makes it makes everything a, a lot easier. It's just when it gets so close, and it's that winning versus losing part, and people people lose their minds a little bit in that that moment. So, um, and and you know, losing's not you know we say it all the time, and, and you obviously have heard it, but I mean it's a game. We're playing a game here, but there is more learning that can come out of that game positive and negative than anything you can be doing. And I've been on the short end of it too, but I also learned from it and, um, it's made me a better person today. So, um, you know, maybe the call wasn't right and maybe I didn't agree with it, but, but I learned something from it that I've taken with me that's made me a better person later on. So I, I think people have to really keep the full picture in perspective and, and it's, it's hard for kids to do that. They, they don't think about next week, let alone, you know, years later. So, right. But when you look back on it, they will. Absolutely. Right. You know, sports, there, there's life lessons to be taught in sports as well. And like you said, yeah, you, you learn and go. And it's it's just embedding that in these in these young athletes, these student athletes, and it's getting in their head. And the way I look at it, the more times I tell them, they're eventually going <laughs> to <gonna> remember. <laughs> but they're looking, they're looking yeah. at those professional sport athletes. You, you know, I had lunch with a good friend that Ted will know. Uh, I had lunch with Herb McPherson today. Wow. Yes. He actually coached at Mississippi. Yeah. played there. Wow. <laughs> Hall of Famer. Shout out to Herb McPherson. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I said, Herb, I'm going to give you a shout out today. He goes, well, uh, make sure you tell Ted I said hi. And I, <laughs> I absolutely passed that along. But, um, you know, he was here today. We were recording um, some new 
public service announcements about the importance of education-based athletics. And um, it was it was a salute. It was kind of a, a PSA that was a salute to your hero. Well, um, our commissioner, Paul Neidig, um, who is from North Posey High School, um, his coach was Herb McPherson. Wow. And, uh, so they, they recorded a, a public service announcement where he was, he was thanking her for being that that person that helped shape him um, and what he's done, and we're gonna we're gonna do a series of those throughout the office and um, and air those on stations throughout the uh, the state. So uh, it was good talking to Herb, and you know, there's just it's amazing when you you know you cross generations of different people. There are some things that are constant, and um, there's a reason that Herb's in the Hall of Famer, and it, it showed today. Um, I'm I'm a Northwestern High School graduate, so yep. I've played in this been a while many a time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I traveled over there in baseball, and my dad was the head coach when I played at Northwestern. Really, and, um, I totally enjoyed uh, coming over to Mississippi and playing. Absolutely. Yeah, Herb's a great. He's got a great family too. I yeah. mean, his wife was probably one of my all-time favorite teachers. Yeah, mine too. Uh, English. I love seeing me. And they're yeah they're. Yeah. That that's awesome. That's you know we appreciate that and we I, appreciate I, Herb and everything he's did. Yeah, and does yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, are are how often are the officials? Um, are how often are they are they uh, evaluated? Or that's a good question. That comes up often. Um, our officials, we we from this office do not evaluate our officials. Okay. We let our schools evaluate our officials. Okay. Um, and then also, I will tell you that um, each official comes from a, I mentioned it earlier here, but they're each part of an association. Um, uh, they have their own groups throughout the state, some of them larger groups than others. But, you know, the biggest one in Indianapolis would be the Indiana Officials Association. It's where they train people. It's where they get some, some deeper training. Um, we provide courses for them and things like that and 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 help them with mechanics. But the bottom line is that's where they get that real training. Um, and so that's where they're evaluated probably the most. But the bottom line is when the, the way officials are assigned and the way they work and how they get to the state finals are they're evaluated throughout the year. Their ratings are submitted uh, to the IHFA. We have every school vote on every official. And um, the, uh, the ones who get ranked the highest, uh, matriculate. We we do have some rules on how how often you can work the state finals. There are some officials that would receive enough votes every year to work the state finals every year. But by doing so, it doesn't allow some others who are who are very good that never get the opportunity to do it. So we have some formulas where we have to rotate some people through. But for the most part, um, those those top ranked officials are the ones who get there, and um, and it's pretty amazing. And I can tell you that it's such a process. The officials themselves are, you know, they think that if they, the sentiments at least out there that sometimes, well, I, I, I've given that coach technical fouls time after time. He's going to give me a bad vote. And, well, it's actually the AD that votes. He, he and their coach sit down and they go over the officials. But there are many ADs that will appreciate the fact that that official kept that game under control, even though it might not have come out their way that they end up giving them a much higher rating than what the official would have thought they would have given them. Wow. Because he did his job. Exactly. So it it, 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 it works counterintuitive to what some officials may think, 
but I will tell you that the process, while it is not a perfect process, it does elicit us some very good officials at the state finals. We've been blessed. Are, are, are the are the great are, very good. are the ones that are are you know you know make it to those state finals? Is, is there like for the the most exceptional official? Do they get celebrated? Do they get awards or? They do. Well, first of all, I can tell you this. Um, when they work the state finals, it is it is like they are playing in the state finals. They receive the same amount of joy that the oh, yeah. teams competing in it. Um, it. It's pretty amazing. They're a very tight group, and, and they all know each other. And for them to get there, they understand the honor. They represent their whole, uh, all officials throughout the state of Indiana. So they're proud of that. But when they get there, it is absolutely the same honor that those kids get to experience being in the state finals. It's just in a different way. And, um, yes, they are celebrated. It, it, we, we award uh, the outstanding official of the year in every sport um, each time at the state finals. Um, so there is an outstanding official that's recognized at every state finals. Um, he may not be working the game. Uh, he, he, may have, he, he may have ended at the semi-state level or whatever, but... He's nominated by the officials, and then he's chosen by us. So uh, that's something we do as part of recognition. Well, I remember the first time I ever officiated a varsity game. That felt like a state championship game to me, just doing my first varsity game. And that's – And you should. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it should be. And that's, you know – and I was taught – you know, I was part of the Miss Seminole Valley Official Association. And we've had a few in there that have did state finals games, boys and girls. And like you said, that's where, where they're going to get most of their training. And, and it, what I remember a lot about that, you know, the guys in my association, they said, sell your call and make your mechanics look good. They said, when you do that, you're not going to be as questioned as much. Have a slow whistle. Just little things like that. And it, it made an impression and I always try to do that. And another big thing they always taught was, you know, if you're doing a junior high game, you know, go out there because these kids, to them, that might be their state championship game. That's how big it is to these kids. So, yeah. So, I, you know, I learned a lot through the association, and it carried over. That's fantastic. That's what it's all about. And that is where we're, we're appreciative of those associations. There's no question. They do a great job. And they're there to help the others. Um, yes, yeah. You know, I can say this about officials. It's not all about them. Um, mm-hmm. It's about helping the people in their association get better. Um, it's spreading the wealth. They want people to do well. Um, and ultimately, it's about giving back to kids in sport. That's what we do. Definitely, yeah. And that's – that's. Uh... now, let me ask you a question about – because years ago, you know, the athletic directors – were responsible for getting the officials. Now you have assigners, right? Um, it, 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 a little bit of both. Um, the way that works, um, it's, it's a little easier now than it used to be for athletic directors to go ahead and what we call self-assign. Uh, so for the regular season, an athletic director can go into our portal and he can pull up officials and it shows their calendars and if they're available, and he can right. Uh, he can go ahead and contract them straight from there. Okay. A lot of schools use what's called an assigner. Mm-hmm. An assigner is um, he has a group of officials that he manages, um, and he gets contracts with different conferences, 
and he is responsible for making sure that there are officials for every one of those those conference games okay, um, or school games. So there are a lot of schools who u- utilize the signers. It's by far the majority now, uh-huh. whereas self-assigned used to be the majority uh, years ago. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just... I kind of knew how that worked, but I just wanted some of our listeners to understand how that goes. Sure. You know, for a good example, um, from when I coached back in the day, uh, by far and away, and it's not a, there, there were other great officials, don't get me wrong, but as far as depth and quality of officials, um, Lenny Brickens from up north used to have a group of baseball officials that were just outstanding. Uh-huh. Um, he, he had 30 to 40 baseball officials, and they were all top-notch. He did a heck of a job training them. Um, they worked a lot of games. They did some college games. They were just a group that uh, he was the assigner. When he was the assigner, and he would assign them, um, and, and, and so people contracted with Lenny to get those officials just because they were really, really good. Mm-hmm. And um, So that's an example of, of how that worked. According to uh, the National Association of Sports Officials, uh, currently there's like 23 states that have uh, specific laws uh, pertaining to uh, game officials or laws that protect them. You see Indiana becoming one? It almost was. Um, that legislation uh, made it to, uh, to the Senate, but I don't believe that it received uh, enough to become law. So it is. It has been introduced in Indiana before. Um, I, 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 you never say never. Um, yeah. I believe it didn't pass because I just I think there's enough out there that can be done without it having to even go to that level. Um, uh, we were contacted, I believe, on that when when it was being introduced, and um, you know we weren't against it. We but we didn't necessarily say that we absolutely needed it. it it was one of those where I think there's enough uh, protection for them just as citizens that, that it, it, it satisfied what was, what was out there. But I think it, it could come to that. If, there's, uh, if people can't behave better and make better decisions, it, it could come to a point where um, I believe that the, what, the, what the legislation did was it actually it made the, a, an assault on a sports official a, a larger um, charge i believe is or more expensive right um and it could come to that so um right now you know knock on wood and um i I think that we're we're doing a great job of educating people we've we've really tried to do that throughout the state i think schools are doing a better job of educating you're going to go to a high school game and you're going to hear a sportsmanship message before it begins and you're probably going to hear that for the rest of you know eternity because yep we do it's important it's something that we, we we feel strongly that needs to happen and we have to change behavior and, and you know how hard it is to change behavior so i i um, in just in my experience because i've i've been um organizer of youth sports before and um i'm a certified youth sports administrator uh mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of in the rec leagues and in the travel leagues. And I feel like it's, it's grown within them from there because they, they, they've gotten away with heckling so much that when they do get those kids into middle school and high school, they become a monster. 
think there's a lot of truth in what you say, and I certainly see the same things you do. Um, it becomes learned behavior at a younger age for them, and we're fighting that learned behavior is what, what we ultimately are doing. Um, no, no question about it. And people always ask me, what's the difference between uh, levels of sport? Well, the, the difference is we're education-based athletics, and we educate. We are classroom first. And that's what AAU and and the others are not. They're exactly, sports are they are they are all sport, and there are no education component to it. And I think it shows in some of those things. And, and we're just we're going to be better than that. But I, I there's no question it makes our job harder. Um, we have a we have a big complex right here next to our office at Grand Park. Grand Park uh-huh. has many many games, um, and some of that behavior comes out. And we've seen it, and you know we all have nieces, nephews, and grandchildren, and we go and we witness it. And you know, if you can, if you can help educate some people, I think that's the way you're going to have to go about it. And I just hope that we're getting better. But um, I, I too have that fear. I agree with you. Well, yeah, because youth sports, you know, rec leagues and all this AAU, you know, everybody's pushing these kids like they're going to be professionals one day. You know the the statistics on that. You know, fat chance there. Um, That's right. It's um, to be exact. It's one percent of those kids will go on to earn a full ride in college, and of those full rides who compete in college, one percent of those will go on to play in the professional league. Exactly. One percent and one percent is not very big. No, No. it's not. I'm I'm sure it's probably slimmer for uh, female. Athletes, it's very, very true. Um, they have less less opportunities at the professional level, for sure. So, it, it is. It's. I hope people are playing. What you said is absolutely correct. There's too many people out there that have visions of, you know, and they want the best for their kids. It's not. It doesn't come from a bad place. I yeah. think. Right. But it's not a realistic place. Uh-huh. And um, I, I don't think that there's a lot of people that are very realistic and they need to be realistic because it's all the other things that are going to help them and they're going to be great, but it just may not be what it may not pay for their college or, um, you know, but it's, it's going to make them a better person. It's going to make them a better employee. They're going to learn better. They're going to be more disciplined. That's what sports are going to do for you. They're not necessarily just designed to get a scholarship. And, um, so you're telling me I'm not going to hit the lottery. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're either going to hit the lottery or get struck by lightning. Or, you know, uh, I think I want the uh, A. Yeah, exactly. So, it, yeah, you just, it, it is what it, and, and a lot of those, you know, a lot of them, I know that there's, there's kids, we, we fight specialization here from the office all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to specialize because they want to become the best at it, and, and that's great, and I understand it. Um, but having been a former athlete and having seen the kids that go on to excel, the kids that go on to excel at a very high level are gifted athletes. They could play any sport, mm-hmm. and they're going to be very, very good at it. it. They don't even have to play one. And, in fact, a lot of times they play multiple sports anyway because yes. they are so gifted athletically. The multi-sport um, player. With... You know, a player like myself, I had to work very hard to be <laughs> good at you know anything. And... But but even at that level, it's still there's a there's a ceiling. I can only there's only so much ability that I could get to, and and that's what you do. But you, 
it's uh, it's hard to convince people to understand that. Um, those kids that are good are going to be good. It isn't, you know, you don't have to specialize to be good. Yeah. And, and you know, going back, uh, th- there are some travel organizations that, that do do good work. And there's some wreck organizations that do good work. Um, but you can't always police every game. And you can't always take a kid who's, you know, never swung a bat and make them bury bonds. That's right. That's very well said. And, and there are some great institutions out there that do a fine job. Yeah. I wasn't uh, trying to be demeaning. No, no, no yeah. AA user clubs because there are yeah. some that do it the right way. And there are some that uh, are a little bit out of control and they don't have that, that component. But um, it's what you said is, 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 is exactly right on. Um, you're not going to just, just because you do something doesn't necessarily you're gonna mean you're going to become the best at it. True. There is an athletic ability part of it that just takes you to a different level. And, and that's something that we try to do down here, which, which, by the way, Conrad is a member of our school board. And, and we push, you know, academics above athletics. And Absolutely. like we tell these kids in junior high, well, even before they get to junior high, we're like, hey, uh, your grades better be up because, you know, these coaches are really going to watch starting next year in sixth, seventh grade. And if you don't have the grades, you know, you're not going to you're not going to play. So that's right. And I know the IT standards. Yes. And, and, and I know you guys push that, too. You know, you're a student, you're first. A student first, an athlete second. And, and just like you were mentioning about multi sports, you know, I've got, I've got some information right here from the NFL draft last week. It said 88.9% of the picks were multi sport athletes in high school. It's amazing. Yes. It? Yes. Amazing. And it said 68.7% participated in track or field, track and field. They can all run. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and they said that 43% were three-plus sport athletes in high school. I bet you 100% of the linemen can run faster than me. <laughs> no question. <laughs> you know, it, it, well, I mean, I, I don't know how fast you are, Conrad. But I can, I'm fast to the I dinner table. <laughs> I can assure you this. I mean, Coach, the one thing you can't coach is speed. Yeah, um, right. So when that athlete goes out there, he may be the worst athlete on your team. If he runs a 4-2, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's going to get some looks. There's a spot somewhere. He's get looks because <laughs> they can try to teach you how to play the other parts of it, but they can't teach you how to run fast. Right. Um, it, it, speed is just something that is defining between levels. You know, I'm a former football, so I can tell you the speed of Division One. And Division Two and Division Three, there's just the difference is, is not how much how strong the kids are, not even necessarily how big the kids are. It is speed. It, speed is the defining characteristic between the levels. Oh yeah, so that is that. That's really what it is. It's it's speed. So um, you, you you know <laughs> that that's what they all look for, and that's why they put such a, a an emphasis on that in their combine work workout. Right, and and that's just something else. You know, you look at how many wide receivers got drafted last week in the first round because they're fast. Because mm-hmm. the statistics I show that out of the 262 draft picks, there are only 11% that were specialists to one sport. So it's amazing. It is, and 
you know, nothing against travel I, I ball. People would pay more. I right. I just wish people would pay more attention to that. Um, because I also think when I look back on it, and yes, you know, I'm older, but you know, I look back on it, and some of those memories that I have of sport when I was young are, it was with the people I was playing with. It yeah, was about yeah. who who you were with and what you were doing. It wasn't about whether we even won or lost necessarily, although I certainly remember some big wins and some heartbreaking losses. But it was about the guys you played with. It was about the locker room, and it was about hanging out with with your guys. Right. Um, and and that's that's what sports about. And you know, you know, I look back on that. That's those are important parts, and and that's what I think people are missing a little bit. And um, I, I hope that I hope people start to realize that a little bit more because that's what makes it special. Yes, it sure is. Yeah, it is. It is. Is um, which program would you say? You know, just off the top of your head, which program uh, is is really uh, hurting for officials? Would it be wrestling? Um, well, wrestling is up there. I mean, just because we the most official, I'll tell you what we're we're seeing in wrestling that's starting to come around that's helping us a little bit. Coaches are retiring from wrestling but becoming officials. So oh, former okay. coaches. I saw. I went to the Newcastle Semi State this year, and I remember calling Robert Falcons, who oversees wrestling for us, and I said, "You got two officials out here that were former coaches. That is amazing." And uh, he said, "Yeah, we're getting more and more coaches that are re- when they retire, they're just they're going, they're still giving back and being officials." Um, wrestling is probably one of them because it's a more veteran group. Uh, there aren't very many real young wrestling officials that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say baseball. Um, kind of interesting. My father was a baseball official. He was obviously a baseball coach, but I asked him, you know, he did baseball and softball, and I said, you know, it seems like you do more softball games than you do baseball games. And he said, yeah, it's faster. Um, uh-huh. It's quicker. It moves quicker. Um, as much as I love baseball, and I, you know, I'm not here to critique the pace of play of baseball, but, yeah. um, it, you know, they're, they're just different sports. But softball is fun to watch. So, it is. It is. It just moves at a quicker pace, and uh, you're in and out. And um, baseball moves a little slower, a little more thinking in it. I think you know there's a lot of strategy, pitch to pitch, and so um, yeah, I, it, I I can see that. But I think baseball, we, we, you know, we could we could use some more officials in baseball. Uh, but but we're seeing it in basketball also. Um, uh, basketball is hard because I think it's pretty physically demanding too. Uh-huh. Got to run up and down. Uh, the the uh, the crowd is far more intimate. They're right on top of you a little bit, and um, um, so I I think basketball is, and I think it's difficult. It's one of the more difficult ones to do. Um, I have trouble in my sport. I oversee boys and girls tennis. Mm. Um, while we don't license tennis officials here at the office, we rely on the USTA officials that are licensed um, by the USTA and. There are fewer and fewer of those, so I, you know, I'll make a plug on here today that tennis officials, if, if you want to be an official and you want to work, you can get to college pretty doggone quick if you're any good in uh, tennis officiating. Wow. Because they are they are searching for officials. And Fault. It's definitely a more veteran group. I think I got I think I got a new side hustle. There you go. <laughs> that, that, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that because, you know, I don't really – see officials at tennis matches you know where where do they actually 
do they have a place where they stand? Well, um, you you may or may not see officials at tennis matches. We don't mandate that you have to have an official there. Okay. Um, two schools can play each other. Our coaches um, uh, are ethically bound to act in that capacity if right. they see something that's wrong. But ultimately, it's the competitors. It's kind of like golf. Um, we hold them to a higher accountability um, and ethical, ethical standards. Mm-hmm. And they should be calling the ball in or out. Right. And um, uh, and so they do their own. They police their own a little bit on that. Okay. However, as you move up in the tournament and that sort of thing, you may see some roving officials. Okay. Um, these are UST officials that will roam the court. If they see a football, they'll call it. Um, if they clearly see a ball that was out that was called in, they'll overrule it. Um, they'll help decide some disputes on certain things. So okay. there may be an official. And then as you get to the state final, if you make the state finals, we have cheer officials for you. Okay, match. okay, okay. So ultimately, you're gonna you either during the tournament you may have none, you may have some roving, and if you make it, if you're lucky enough to get to the state finals, you'll have a cheer official. Okay. How about cross country? Are there officials for that? We do license. Okay. There are. Okay. Um, and cross country and track kind of go together on that that uh, uh, that license. They're they're together and. Okay. Uh, they're starters, and um, but we do have officials for for that, and that's a that's a good point because that's another veteran group. There's not a lot of people lining up right to track officials. So that'd be that'd be something yeah. else for people to look at. Yep, if they right. jump right Auto in. Officials are another area where yep. we've had a lot of we've had some influx here recently. So I think we're doing a little bit better on volleyball officials, um, uh, and then. We just brought on boys volleyball as a um, what we call an emerging sport, uh-huh. brand new for the IHSAA. Uh, they will not have a tournament series right away. They will be recognized um, under the IHSAA umbrella, but they will operate um, as they have as a club here and with the idea that to grow their number of teams. And then once they get to a certain level, um, they'll apply for members, full membership where we will offer a tournament. Okay. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that, that is a fun sport to play, actually. Yeah. It is. And boys volleyball is far different than girls. Um, I had a son who played boys volleyball in high school, and uh, it, it's very fast-paced, very hard-hitting. It's just it's a little different type of sport for the boys than it is the girls. Um, far more of a power game, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, the girls probably have better fundamentals overall, but right. the, the boys uh, jump a little higher, hit the ball a little harder. So, it's, you know, um, each one has their their things that are, that are very neat about them. But it's just a little different. Yeah, We're excited about having boys volleyball on board. And then girls wrestling is the other provisional right. yeah, we... um, emerging sport that we brought in. And it's really, really growing, which I never knew three years ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, good. But it is amazing how fast it's growing. I think it's a good outlet. Because actually, we had the Marion High School wrestling coach on with us the yeah. other night. Yeah, and he, he had some interesting things about that. And I also saw that Ball State's a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, men's volleyball. Ball State. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Big volleyball, boys' volleyball uh, power. Yeah. Started by the Shondells way back in uh-huh. the day. Absolutely. Yep. yep. That is, uh, that's very neat. As far as the girls wrestling goes, you know, it was highlighted uh, by the performance at the last Olympics. We had two girls from Indiana who uh, wrestled very well in the Olympics. Wow, I didn't realize that. um, 
it's pretty amazing. And they wrestle the, the way the way girls wrestling works right now. We're, we're it will become its own sport, but currently they wrestle with the boys. Yes, so, right. Um, you know that that's pretty tough in and of itself. And we've actually had uh, we've had them represent themselves at the state finals before, which is man quite an accomplishment. That's amazing. Hey, now I, I know you used to be sports information director for the Indiana All Stars. That's correct. What was that like? That was an incredible time. I cherish my years uh, working with Mr. Aikman and the Indiana All-Stars. Um, I took over for uh, Joe Gentry, who is a, a friend of mine um, who I grew up, uh, who, who basically taught me sports information in college. He was my college SID. Wow. He worked for the All-Stars for years before I did it. Um, I totally enjoyed meeting those. We were just telling, I was talking with Herb today at lunch. Uh, we were talking with Zach Randolph. Um, uh-huh. I was the sports information director during those years when uh, Jeffries and Jared Jeffries and Zach played oh, together. Man. Yep. That was a um, good state championship. Oh, that team? Yeah. I said we would have we taken on anybody that called. We didn't care. Let's play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that team wasn't going to get beat by Kentucky. They weren't going to get beat by anybody. Right. You know? <laughs> They were they were unbelievable, but getting to know those those, those kids, uh, spending two weeks with them is a little different back then than it is now. Right, it was two weeks long. Uh, you spent every waking moment with them for two weeks, which you know, looking back on it, that was a chunk of time, but it was really good because you got to know all of them. Right, and um, um, I I missed that part. Today they're pretty much in and out so quick that I don't know that anybody gets to spend as much time together. And right. Them. And, and, you know, we, we used to focus on defense and playing defense. And, um, <laughs> so that made it a little different than an all-star game because the ones you see now, there's rarely any defense. But defense was important. That's how we beat Kentucky. Right. And we'd have these great speakers come in. You know, I remember uh, I remember George McGinnis coming in and telling us about um, his uh, his 50-rebound game. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And he, it was the first time his dad had watched him play. And Jeez. Kentucky was talking bad about him. <laughs> he just let it loose. So, um, and then I remember John Wooden. We used to uh, give an award called the John Wooden MCL Award. And um, John Wooden would call in on the telephone and speak to the people that received that award. And oh, man. I always thought that was a pretty special moment for those kids to, you know, get you know, an address by John Wood. Yeah, I mean, the greatest. Being, that Absolutely. has to be a really cool experience. No question about it. Um, and it's, I think it was proper because, you know, basketball means something in this state, and um, I thought it was, was really well done. And they're still working hard at it. You know, I, I still have good friends that are, are working there um, and trying to keep that going. The problem is Kentucky hasn't been as competitive as they used to be right. on a year-to-year basis. Right. And there was some talk about playing somebody else, but when you get to that point, then you've lost the oh. essence of what that game was all about. Oh, so definitely. Kind of a, yeah. A, definitely. A tough situation. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard one. And then you got colleges that don't want their kids to play in it because they may get hurt. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, there's a lot of factors working against them, but I, I'm glad that they're still keeping it going and trying to make the best out of it because um, I think it's an it's a neat thing. It means a lot. Yeah, it does for those kids. 
Now, now mm-hmm. I want to know, when you went to college, how, how did you balance playing football and basketball? Or baseball, I'm sorry. It was a piece of cake. Was uh, it? <laughs> you know, it, it was. It, it, because, you know, I'll go back to, you know, being with the guys, but there was a core group of us that we played all three sports. And, um, you know, it, but it was all seasonal. Um, would you do something out of season for another sport? Yeah, every so often. We'd, we'd start throwing a little bit early, you know, at the end of basketball. Or, you know, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd get ourselves ready to go for the next one. But I can tell you there's nothing more awkward than, you know, finishing up a football game one day and then going into a basketball court the next day. And you felt like Bambi out there. And, <laughs> you know, you, you just you didn't feel comfortable at all. But you know what? A week later, you were, yeah. you were ready to go. Yeah. Right. Um it's about hustle and it's about, it's about all the intangibles and it's not necessarily about, yeah, you're not going to go out and dream 33s in the first day you're right, out for basketball right. practice. Yep. It, it'll come along, but it was about being with the guys and uh-huh. we just all, you know, you, you switch your stuff and you went to the next sport and you did it and we didn't think twice about it. Right. Uh, yeah. We didn't either back when. Yeah. It, I, you know, we had good conditioning. We trained all year long. We were in the we we're in the weight room all year long, whether regardless of sport. Anyway. Right, right. So, um, I I just I look back on it, and I'm so thankful that I was able to play three sports all through high school. Absolutely, that, that's great. That's but that but that's what I mean. At college, man, you you go from the fall, and then you have a little break, then you're right into baseball. That's that's amazing. That's right. You know, yeah, and you know, I can. You know, I'll share with you guys, but I, did, I basketball wasn't exactly one of my favorite sports. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, I was really a football, baseball person, uh-huh. but I, my friends, we all played. So, and what was neat about it is we were all better in different sports. So, huh. we didn't care about that stuff, right? It, it right. Was, well, yeah, you're going to play. Well, you know, today there may be kids that say, "Well, I'm not going to start, so therefore I don't want to." Right. Now, it was play. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, I ended up being a decent basketball player, but it wasn't necessarily because of my love for the game. It was just because I'd done so much that, you know, you work yourself into a position eventually. Right, but right. A role player, if you will. But, um, no, I look back on it and think, God, I'm so glad I played basketball. I didn't even really want to play, but I learned <laughs> a lot of things from that. And it also made you humble. Um, right. While my talents may have been in two other sports, there were other kids' talents that were in that one, and right. it humbles you. Uh-huh. It does. It does. All right, we're gonna. I got. We got a little thing here we call rapid fire before we finish. I'm gonna okay. rattle off just a few questions to you, and I want you to give me the whatever pops into your head first. You can think about it for a oh, second. <laughs> okay, number one, I'm gonna ask you who's the best high school athlete you ever seen any sport. Oh boy, um, best high school athlete I ever saw Brian Ford. Brian Ford. Uh, Played at Cathedral, went on to play at Notre Dame. He was a played football and basketball. Um, phenomenal athlete. Uh, was a punter and a kicker. Led the state in interceptions. Man, led the state in receptions. I think too. I unbelievable player. Brian Ford. Okay, Brian Ford. Now was that nineties? That was uh, nineteen ninety-two. Okay. Okay. All right now, what would be uh, your? If I had, Go ahead. If I said overall throughout everything else, um, the best high school player I've ever seen. Um, gosh, John, I don't know. There's so many of them. It's hard to it's hard to draw. The problem is context here. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd probably have to go back to my guy. Uh, I'd have to go back to George McGinnis. And mm-hmm. What he did, I, I got to see tape of him. Football yeah. and basketball, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. yeah. I watched him in the ABA. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. That's unbelievable how, athlete. Oh, yes, he was. Okay, what's your favorite sport to watch, college or pro? Um, it, it's baseball. Really? Uh, college, or I'd say I'd say pro baseball is my favorite thing to watch. Although I love the college world. Series right, too, right. But, okay. um, so college world series and pro baseball. Okay. And I'm a Dodger fan. I know it's a little weird being out here. Boo. <laughs> well, we sorry. I'm a Yankees uh, fan. Connor has a Yankees fan. That's okay. Of course, I got to be a Red Sox fan because I was named after Ted Williams. Well, I was going to say you have to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me your give me your favorite lunchtime spot in Indianapolis. Ooh, my favorite lunchtime spot. I'll have to give a shout out to a place right across the street from our office called Daddy Jack. Daddy, Jack. what do they have? They have um, they have first of all they have nothing bad. Okay, they have Sweet. fresh fish. They have. Um, Love seafood, man. You can, and then they have uh, all kinds of seafood. They have a sister restaurant right next to it called Coney Jack. Okay, good. So they have sushi and the whole works. Yeah, we're gonna have to make a trip so down there. I'm gonna give a shout out to Daddy Jack. Yeah, okay. good. Okay, what? Who is your favorite college team? Now you can't say University of Indianapolis. <laughs> nope, I won't say. I won't say where I went. <laughs> um, my favorite college team. Um, well, I mean, I would probably root for Indiana all the time. So, okay. um, I would have to say, uh, and, and I did go there originally, but I did transfer to the University of Indianapolis. But okay. I, I would still say, I would still say IU. I mean, I still, I still hope they do well. So, I have a rooting interest in them. Absolutely. You know, up here, a lot of people say they have two of them: IU and whoever plays Purdue. Yeah, <laughs> and whoever plays Purdue, yeah. I know, and I, I'm from Kokomo. Where we have a lot yeah, of Purdue fans, yes, so. you do, yes, you do. Um, yeah. I, in my my whole family was were Purdue um, people, but I, I went the other way, so I, <laughs> yeah, I still take Bloomington. Yeah, but, but that, that's fine. Cause, you know, yeah, if if I use not in at all, root for Purdue. That's okay. That's. I thought Purdue right. was going to win the Big Ten tournament. Well, I did too, and you know, I used to—I couldn't stand him as a, a a player when he played at Purdue for whatever reason. You know how it's kind of odd when you watch people play; you form an opinion about him, even though you don't know him at all. Yeah, uh-huh. Matt Painter, you know the way he played <laughs> as a Hoosier fan, I didn't appreciate. Right, right. Um, I can tell you this: I am a big Matt Painter fan today. Yes, um, yes. I've gotten to know Matt very well. There is not a more gracious person around. There's not a more caring person. There's not a better steward of Indiana basketball than Matt Payne. I agree. So I agree. Fantastic. I, I have come full circle on that. I give my kudos to Matt Payne. Okay, one more for you. Okay. Who has influenced your life the most? I've had a lot of great influences. Um, I'll, I'll say my father, but because he was a, a, a coach, he coached, um, he coached football and baseball. Uh, he coached for over 30 years in those sports. Wow. Um, but I would say it was his work ethic that I probably paid attention to more than his coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's a little different generation, but it was all about work. He taught me how to work. Um, but I've also run into, and, you know, I tell this to kids that, 
that come in here for advice on what to do and, you know, things to think about. And, and that is that you are affected by so many people in your life and you become a, a, a culmination of all those influences. Yes. Um, yes. You, you learn, you take something from everybody you're around and it, and it makes you the person that you are. And, um, I've had so many great coaches. Um, even Bill Mallory at, at Indiana. I mean, I transferred, but uh, Coach Mallory, you know, was a friend forever. I mean, he, he helped me leave. Even right. He didn't want me to leave. Right. And uh, he wrote the first letter for my job. And wow. Coach Morosis, who was not even my coach at DePauw, but I did, he worked with me on some kicking and punting, and he helped me get a job at one point. Man. And, um, I, I worked under, um, you know, Rick Strife and Jim O'Hare at Cathedral. I learned a lot from those guys back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, there's just, there's so many people that make up. Bill Bless at the University of Indianapolis and Bob Tremaine. And, uh, there's just coaches throughout that, that, that form the person you are. So I'm going to, I'm not going to give one person. My dad would probably be the leader, but right. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with collective. That's perfect. Well, perfect answer. We, uh, me and Ted, we really appreciate you giving us, uh, your valuable time, Chris. Once again, this oh, was it's my Chris Kaufman, assistant commissioner for the IHSA. We, uh, we, um, really do appreciate and, and we'd love to have you back on, on down the road. You can, you can call me anytime. I'm happy to come on with you and discuss whatever it is. I, I thank you for what you do. Um, please keep high school sports top of mind and, uh, oh, yeah. uh, anything you can do to keep those listeners out there on it and be educated. We appreciate it very much. All we'll right. Well, thanks so Thank much. Thank you for your so time. much. You have a great day. See you, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. That was super fun. Don't you think Ted? Oh, that was yeah. Very, very yeah. enlightening. I mean, very enlightening. You learn a lot of stuff. We want to give a shout out to beast Prince. We got Brad Bennett with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He'll come clean up whatever you need. And one more. Beverages brought to you by... Onan Construction Group for all your exterior home improvement needs. Specializing in roofing, siding, and gutters. Get a professional, quality job done at a competitive price. For a free estimate, call Trevor at 765-661-0689 or go to mononconstructiongroup.com. You've tried the rest. Now call the best. Monon Construction Group, LLC. All right, everybody. Till we see you next time. Signing off. We're out of here. Later. See you next week. Later. Mm-hmm.